You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Thank you so much for waiting for us. It's been uh, a couple pushbacks here, as I told you, is going to be the case some of these days. As uh, you know, I'm uh, trying to write the story before we go live. Then once we go live, uh, we move the time around a little bit. But hey, we're here. First padded practice, Ryan Talbot, today uh, out here in Orchard Park on the practice. It was just a cool visual to see. Uh, you know, guys back in pads for the first time, you know, since last season. And, you know, we talked to the guys yesterday about it, you know, Mitch Morris, uh, Brian Dable, Sean McDermott this morning. There's just a little bit something different about that. The first day that pads go on. I mean, it's football. I mean, these guys have been playing football since they were little, little kids. Gabe Davis said that, but it's, it just feels a little bit different. It felt a little bit different out there. Tons of stuff to get into today. This is the shout bills podcast brought to you by tops friendly markets. Joined by Ryan Talbot. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. Yeah, like you said, pads came on, so the intensity gets uh, ramped up. So it it sounds like it was a good day out there in Orchard Park. It was, and it is a good day uh, to get over to Tops and check out the Fresh Burger Bar with over 30 varieties of beef, turkey, chicken, plant-based, and gourmet blend burgers ready to grill. Tops Fresh Burger Bar has you smiling all summer long. I, I asked you, Ryan, before we went live here, um, where do we want to start? And you didn't waste any time. Let's get into Effie Obata. And this is a guy that I think going into the season, I remember one of the podcasts that we did very early on in the off season, you know, you were like, man, I'm, I'm calling my shot right now. Effie Obata is making this 53 man roster. And at the time, I think you probably had some people that were like, man, don't you want to see him out of camp a few days before you, you go kind of um, all all in on F.E. Obata? But I will tell you right now, today was like, I feel like that that first moment when you can have a lot of things that we saw early on confirmed for you. And, you know, the pads were going to go on. It's something that he's been talking about, the excitement level of building. And today he was – he was the best defensive lineman, I think, consistently on the field today. Obviously, Jerry Hughes is still out with the strained calf. Mario Addison had some times today where I felt like he looked good. But Obata is just – he's such a um, – he showed all areas of his game today, from his ability to win one-on-one, apply pressure, but also get those huge clubs that he calls arms up in the air, make it hard to get – you know, see through passing lanes. And we'll talk about Josh Allen and this offense's day-to-day. Had a tip pass, so did Boogie Basham. But Effie Obata doing all, all showing all things of his game that I think is really leaving an impression on his on his teammates and the coaching staff. Yeah, you know, and we did a pre-draft show too. And this wasn't a podcast. It was just some interaction with fans. And I even took it a step further. And this was obviously before the picks of Greg Russo and Boogie Basham. And I said, F.A. Obata is going to lead this team in sacks in 2021. Now, mind you, after the first two picks in the draft, I kind of backed away from that a little bit. And I'm not quite sure how I feel about that now, just because they have so many options. 
But going back to that initial prediction about the 53-man roster, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. And, you know, you just mentioned Gabe Davis and some of the players saying, we've been doing this since we were kids. That's the case for like 99% of these players. But F.A. Obata did not start playing professional football or, or really get into football until his early 20s. So when you think about the fact that he's been doing this for less than a decade and he's put it together so quickly and there's still room for him to grow, that's a scary thought. Uh, I talked to some people from Carolina after the Bills had signed him. They said, yeah, this is an under-the-radar signing. This is someone that played really well in Carolina. He's getting reunited with Eric Washington. He has this high upside despite his age where I think we're, we're just starting to scratch the surface on what he can do. And, Matt, I know it's the first padded practice, but I'm breaking it out right now, Matt. Here it is, the Sharpie. I am putting <laughs> F.A. Obata's name in Sharpie. This man is making the 53-man roster for the Buffalo Bills. I like it, and I think at this stage, I'm with you. I, I don't see a way, unless he completely looks out of his element, um, for him not to make this roster because he's just been so consistent, like I said. And we talked to uh, Mario Addison today, and if the Bills post his – full media availability today. I highly recommend going and checking it out because he was really good today on all fronts. I mean, I, I enjoyed talking to Mario over zoom last season, but getting a chance to, you know, sit across from him today, you know, in the same you know media tent there uh, at the facility, it was cool. We asked him about Effie because they played together in Carolina, a guy that, you know, Mario Addison, you know, he is not, mincing words at all he knows what his role on this team is he's going to be a situational pass rusher the first thing he said today was asked by jay skirsky from the buffalo news like what do you think when they drafted boogie basham and and greg Rousseau?" he's like i I was excited it it, you bring more people in here that could do it at a high level young fast athletic kind of guys and that's going to allow me to do what i want to do a little bit more which is just you know rush the passer on you know uh, on situational downs and not not get too tired And, you know, so he's a happy guy, but he also made it clear that he's looking to coach these young guys up and a guy that Basham and and Rousseau in particular, but a guy that he started that process with in Carolina was Effie Obata. And here's his quote today uh, on Obata and and just, you know, a guy that in Mario Addison that has some real um, understanding of what this guy could be in the NFL and he's just getting started. Uh, here's the quote. Effie is this young, strong guy that didn't play Little League football, middle school, high school, or not even college. But when I first met him, I was like just picking his head to be like, bro, have you ever even played football? And he was like, no, I never played any football. And I'm like, none whatsoever? And he's like, no, man. So he did like the London program. But one thing I'll say about him is he's very coachable. He's willing to learn. I taught him this one move that he kind of perfected. Actually, he does it almost better than me now. It's the long arm and you grab from the outside hand and you bend it back. And he perfected the move from a guy not playing football as long as I did and can get out there and do everything I can do, probably can do it better. It shows that I, the kind of tremendous character he has. Um, unbelievable praise for Obata from, from Mario Addison. And again, a guy that this is just the beginning stages of what he might be able to be in the NFL. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it- you can't find people and just have them walk in off the street and learn a game in less than 10 years and then expect them to be a professional at that sport. And yet in the case of FAO Bada, that is the case. And you have Addison saying, you know, there's a few things or there's quite a few things that he does better than I do right now. Uh, I really enjoyed the highlights from that Mario Addison press conference. Like you said, he is the hype man for this defensive line. He wants to be their mentor. He wants to make sure that this group, is in good shape when he does leave, which could be as soon as after this season. It's the last year of his contract coming up. So he's going to work with Boogie Bashman, Greg Rousseau. He's going to work with FAO Body. He's going to put that work in so that way when his time is over here, players like Obata and those young players, AJ Epinesa as well. I, I don't know why I forgot his name. Um, they're all going to be in a good place going forward. So Really high praise from Addison when it comes to F.A. Obata. But you have to love what he's saying about realizing his time is dwindling down. He doesn't want to be in there for 50 snaps a game. He wants to be able to take, make the most of his reps and, and lean on these younger guys to really get their playing time and experience in as well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, you know, I think the defense was pretty charged up today. We talked yesterday about the offense and how good Josh Allen was and how they were able to kind of do anything that they wanted. And that was like the big takeaway from practice. If you kind of looked across uh, everybody that was there was that the defense just, you know, had a solid day. And it was, I think that there's a, a big feeling out process here too. At the beginning of camp, there's a lot of rookies that have never been in pads in the NFL before. There's a lot of teaching still going on. So for every, so for every 11 on 11, portion of practice they usually go into some typing type of technique or drill or, or teaching uh type of session so that they kind of can break things up and keep it a, a very fluid practice where there's, there's still learning going on and that's a that's a big piece of it uh as well we're gonna get into uh anything that you guys want to talk about put it down in the comments and ryan and i will track uh as we go anything that you want to specifically talk about and you know for josh allen today I think that it was a situation where the defense definitely had a heightened sense of, uh, of energy. They were bringing some pressure at the front. They were reacting at, on the back end. Uh, big play of the day was a Micah Hyde inter interception that the Bills actually just put out the video. It was uh, a play where, you know, one of the – I think it was the second play of 11 on 11. And the first – I was zeroed in on the, on the defensive line because I wanted to see some of the matchups happening there. And it was just an absolute victory for Ed Oliver at the point of attack that really, I think, started this, this play in motion. He, he really brought pressure up the middle, uh, a good rep against uh, Ryan Bates, and blew by Ryan Bates. And before you knew it, Josh Allen had to deal with Ed Oliver really kind of you know looking down the barrel of the gun. And, and there you see Ed Oliver at the point of attack. He had to get rid of the ball. It was an errant pass. I don't think it was intended for Cole Beasley, but Beasley couldn't make a play on it. Matt Milano tipped it up. Micah Hyde picked it off, ran it back a little bit. They blew the play dead. But a big play there uh, in practice where I think that that got the the the, uh, the juices flowing for the defense a bit. Yeah, and listen, this is what Brandon Bean wants to see. He invest. He he made a bet. I think is the best way of putting it. That upgrading the defensive line was going to help this defense on the back end and at the linebacker position. And if they could get someone in the face of a Patrick Mahomes or of a Baker Mayfield or uh, Lamar Jackson, any of these quarterbacks that they might run into in the playoffs, then good things could happen at the linebacker position in that secondary. And we're starting to see little bits and pieces. Before the pads came on, we've been talking nonstop about Rousseau and F.A. Obata, and we're starting to hear about Ed Oliver. We know that Star Latule is back, and that's going to make life easier for Ed Oliver. And I remember last year some fans were like, oh, this guy's a bust. He's not living up to that top 10 hype. If you went back and individually watched him, he was still making those offensive linemen move backwards into the pocket and, and get in the quarterback's path a little bit. It's just that sometimes he was playing out of place. It's that the Bills' defensive line was undersized, so they've added a lot of size. They've added a lot of help on the outside, on the interior. I think Ed Oliver has the chance to have a really big year this year. And if Oliver has a big year and these defensive ends really show up, you're going to see Micah Hyde. Jordan Poyer, Trey White, uh, Matt Milano, Tr Tremaine Edmonds, Levi Wallace, whoever else is, Dane Jackson, all of them have their fair share of opportunities to make plays on the back end. So it's going to be really interesting to see if Brandon Bean is right that upgrading the defensive line is the way to beat these teams in the playoffs, which I think it is. I think having that pass rush, as you saw in the Super Bowl, goes a long way. Uh, but promising sign for sure. Um. Just updating uh, the article right now. I, I I went as fast as I could uh, to get it out because I know that uh, everybody likes to read those observation posts uh, quickly. So head over to the website right now, Syracuse.com, New York Upstate. You can read through everything that we saw today and what we're talking about right now. Um, Dawson Knox, uh, I see a question in here from Harold Fuller, and I, I think Dawson Knox had one play here. If I can go to the, uh, the trusty notebook where um, – he was the intended receiver. Actually, I think he was actually the intended receiver on the interception. Let me see here. Yeah, I said it was Beasley. I misspoke. It was Dawson Knox who was the in intended receiver. Ended up being uh, the interception there. Uh, let's go to the running game because we'll stay on the offense here for a second. Um, a lot more run um, practice today with the pads on. And, and there was two people in particular that I wanted to highlight because – you know, as you get to the back end of this roster and some of the position battles, 
you know, guys like Tyrell Dotson are going to are, are fighting for a roster spot in this camp. And on days that they show up and they have big practices, I, I want to make sure that I uh, get that across to you guys. And I thought Tyler or Tyrell Dotson today was great. I thought that he was engaged. I thought he was flying around the field. And one of the things that you can you you know how Sean McDermott always says control the controllables. I think one of the things that you can control in this practice setting is really zeroing in on the speed of the game, playing fast. And I saw Tyrell Dotson today everywhere. One play in particular, he came up and he absolutely blew up Matt Breida. Uh, you know, it's thud up. It's not a live practice. So they're going in there and they're just kind of popping guys. But I, this play was just like he read the play perfectly. He fit the run lane and he absolutely met the, the runner at the line of scrimmage. And for a guy – you know, it was at limited NFL snaps at this point. That's always something that I thought stood out to me about Dotson was his ability to recognize not only pre-snap, but reaction time once the ball is snapped and you have to make a, a split second reaction. And I know that's something that sometimes fans have been a little bit underwhelmed in with Tremaine Edmonds, but today I thought Dotson was really, really good. And that's a good sign is that battle kind of heats up. You got... A.J. Klein, after the two starters, Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, you got A.J. Klein, who has the experience in the defense and probably has a leg up in any competition. Then you got Tyrell Adams and uh, Markel Lee, who are going to be fighting tooth and nail. And a guy like Tyrell Dotson is going to be really stiff competition for those guys that they brought in. Yeah, and listen, Tyrell Dodson's been here for a few years, so he has a better understanding of the system, more knowledge there. He had some flashes last year when injuries took place and he got on the field. He had some pass breakups. He showed some good instincts, but you're right. Now is the time of year where he needs to really have those good practices and string them together because the Bills have said it, we've said it. The linebacker depth has never been better. Uh, you mentioned some of the names, Tyrell Adams getting a lot of, of talk leading up to this uh, training camp from the coaching staff. There's linebackers like Joe Giles Harris, who almost made a play today. Uh, there, There's Adams. There's um, a, a lot of familiar faces that have been in the building. But Dodson's a guy that's been here for a while. They like him. They stood by him early in his career. So I think that if he can keep stringing these practices together, there's a good shot for him to make this 53-man roster. So really promising to hear that Dodson made some plays today and made the most of his opportunities. Who else stood out to you today, Matt? Um, Tyler Medikevich, uh, it was just one play, but it, it was another play that I think is worth mentioning on a day where they you know, they really started to run the ball with pads on and able to hit each other. And Medikevich kind of came flying to the right side and, and met Zach Moss head on it. You know, for a guy in Zach Moss, we all remember his introductory press conference when he said he wanted to make guys make business decisions. Medikevich had no problems going in there and mixing up with him. And I think that he's another guy that a lot of time just gets thought of as a special teamer. But I think that they do have some confidence in him and what he's able to do as a depth piece at linebacker as well. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and you know, Medikevich just kind of had a tough break in his career in terms of linebacker play. It seemed like uh, he was he was a little bit buried on the depth chart when he was in Pittsburgh, and, and then someone else would just be just the guy in front of him would get some opportunities. But he has plenty of experience in this league, and he is a special team standout. He is an outstanding special teams player. But I, I do think that if his number had to be called upon and he had to get into the, the starting defense for some reason, I think he could fill in just fine. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into more of what happened at practice today, but I think some of the things that were said before practice today are worth, you know, mentioning, you know, a couple of, this is the first time we got a chance to really talk to Sean McDermott since camp broke. And, you know, he's had a week now to spend some time around guys and, you know, two, two players in particular that I, that he was asked about. Um, and I think it's so interesting because these are two players that I feel like are in that like bucket of players that, you know, bubble players, but really they're, they're the guys that you, you're really are going to have the hardest time cutting, but at the same time could in a lot of different scenarios, be those last guys off the roster. And I'm talking about Jake Kumaro and Justin Zimmer. And, you know, you ask him about both of those guys. And if you, you see Sean's response when he's talking about Zimmer and him lighting up and the decision to make him there to keep him last year, based on just a couple practices, you know, because he came in, he came in late in the game and he made an immediate impact during training camp. And, you know, that bled over into the season. I mean, he made that big play against the Patriots was really good in stretches for them. And, 
you know, a lot of people think, you know, when I put out the my 53-man projection and picked Harrison Phillips to be the guy instead of Justin Zimmer, there was a lot of people that took issue with that, and good for good reason. The Bills like Justin Zimmer. They like what he brings in the room. They like the, the motor that he plays with. Obviously, Brandon B. mentioned that about Ed Oliver the other day. I think that's a similar thing that they like with Zimmer. And then in the, in the case of Kumaro, Sean McDermott actually said that th- those two guys are like glue guys, you know, guys that you, know, you don't talk about them much. It's usually Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Tremaine Edmonds and Ed Oliver. But guys like Jake Kumro, guys that come in here and work hard, that, you know, Sean even went as far to say that when he was claimed off waivers that the Bills were really disappointed about that because of what he meant in the room and the depth that he provided. So you look now at projecting this 53-man roster and trying to find a way to get Kumro and Zimmer on it. It's a tough you know, exercise. I think Kumaro, it's a little bit easier, but Zimmer, man, he's in, he's in a, a packed room on defensive line. Yeah. Zimmer definitely has a tougher path than Kumaro right now. As you said, there's, there's just so much talent, so much depth there. Uh, but th- there's a few signs that show that they like him just as much, obviously, as they, they like Kumaro last year. Uh, he was being elevated off the practice squad, uh, you know, every week it felt like. And there was a week where another team put in, we're, we're going to sign him. The Bills didn't elevate him and, and sign him to their main roster. And sure enough, when given that option, they brought him up. He had some splash plays. He had some flash plays. You mentioned the one against the Patriots where obviously he he pretty much uh, helped the Bills win that game because the Patriots were charging down the field. They were already in field goal range to tie it up, but the way they were moving the ball, it sure looked like uh, they were destined to kind of punch it in at that point. So he helped them win that game. If you go back to the playoff game against the Ravens and Taron Johnson's interception, the pick six, it, it was Trey White who made the, the key block downfield uh, on Lamar Jackson to make sure that uh, Taron Johnson was able to get into the end zone. But if you watch that play, the other R- Bills player that was running down the field almost stride for stride was Justin Zimmer, a defensive tackle. That just kind of shows that freak athleticism that he has and that he possesses, and that's going to make him hard to part with. Jake Kumaro. I have Kumaro slotted in as wide receiver number six. Uh, he's had some really good practices at training camp so far. He's made the most of his opportunities. And, and last year, he actually really stepped up uh, on special teams, kind of taking on like a Taiwan Jones type of role uh, and filling in and not really missing a beat. So he's a guy that, hey, he could be our wide receiver number six. He could help us kind of part ways maybe with a Taiwan Jones. And, and they love Taiwan Jones too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Jones is out. But that's how the Bills could kind of think about these decisions. He's our wide receiver six. It's one less guy that we need on special teams because he can fill that role. They have so many tough decisions. I, I don't know where I saw it, but maybe it was just someone I was talking to. They said, I think the Bills are going to have a ton of players that get claimed off off of waivers after initial cutdowns. And I said, yeah, I, th- I think that's a fair assumption to make because there are guys that are going to get cut that could fill in and, and I think will be starting somewhere in this league in 2021. I see a question in here about the offensive line, and uh, we could go across there and, and some performances that stood out. We can even get into the one-on-ones a little bit today because there was this padded, padded one-on-ones are worth, I think, diving into a little bit, going into the notebook and and some of the uh, the things that I witnessed. We can get into that. But, you know, Spencer Brown, somebody that we talked about in detail yesterday, he had a tough day today. Like, I, I won't, I'm going back through the notebook here and looking through – you know, plays where, you know, I kind of just notate a, a loss sometimes for guys. And there's four different occasions here where I have Spencer Brown losing a rep. And there was one in particular, I think it was Marcel Louis-Jacques, who really had a good view of it, um, said that Spencer Boogie Basham put a spin move on um, Spencer Brown and he fell, uh, it, like dropped to the floor. And so those kinds of plays are tough. But th- I, I want to bring this up because – Sometimes we get we can get so zeroed in a, a rookie player struggling that you, you overlook sometimes one really good moment. And it was late in practice. It was the third last play, and it was an incompletion. Allen misfired, looking for Cole Beasley, a little bit of an overthrow. But on the play, I I almost wish I could have had a video version of it. The protection on the play was really good, and we talked about. You know, Daryl Williams struggling throughout camp so far. I've mentioned that questioning maybe if he's not in full shape yet. We heard Mario Addison say today he's still trying to get his legs 
has been trying to get his legs under him. And he just feels like he's starting to feel that, you know, good energy now as he's getting into camp. Daryl Williams and Spencer Brown on the bookends had matchups against Mario Addison and Effie Obata, and both of them stood their ground for a good chunk of time, let, let Josh Allen, you know, take his time, try to make a play. And those kinds of little moments are building block moments that I think Sean is talking about. Like, this is big boy football, right? Sean McDermott said that before starting today. This is a new chapter that we're starting, and there's probably going to be a lot of teachable, tough moments for guys like Spencer Brown, young players. It'll probably happen on the other side for Boogie and Greg Rousseau too. But that one play where things go right, I think that that's a good sign for a guy that maybe struggled a little bit, but maybe can walk away from the field today saying, okay, did this, this, and this wrong, but man, that was a good play. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's more difficult for offensive tackles than it is defensive ends in terms of getting accelerated and, and, and to the pro game, getting acclimated to that. And you're right, these small victories can really start piling up and then you'll see an increase in confidence. And then all of a sudden, the next time they go against that defensive end, they might have a good idea of what pass rush move is coming, whether it's a spin move, whether it's bringing the arm down, whatever inside outside move, whatever the case may be. That comes with time. So Spencer Brown trained last year with Joe Staley. It's been a while, though, since he's seen regular football reps against defensive ends. So you have to understand that you have to give him that time. Uh, I think the Bills just fell in love with that athleticism, the size. They they know what he can become, but it's going to take some time because he's not someone that's coming in with a lot of the experience under his belt like a, a Deion Dawkins did years ago for the Bills. So th- there's a difference between reps, uh, and it's going to come with time. But, Matt, one offensive lineman that had a good day today and someone that we've talked about a lot, Cody Ford. Tell us a little bit about Ford's day. Yeah, he was really good. I mean, he had a good one-on-one rep, uh, I believe. Let me go to the handy-dandy notebook. You can tell I have little kids. Um or where we got it. He had a draw. He had a draw against uh, – so nobody really won the rep. But in 11-on-11 11 11, going into this session, the first time he's been in pads since last year, I was trying to keep an eye on him. And where you know I think his strength is, we've talked about this plenty of times, is in the run game. He looked really good. It, it just took, Again, mobility is, I think, key at this stage. Like you're not looking for him to go out – and truck someone over out there. I mean, there, there's, it's going to be more physical on the line, but I think just, just seeing him execute blocks that open up run lanes for guys, even if it's not the biggest, you know, hugest moment in practice, I think that that's noteworthy for a guy like Cody Ford at this stage. And um, I, I think that there was one play in particular where Devin Singletary broke off a nice little run. It might've been for I think crazy, maybe 10 yards, but, you know, Cody Ford made a nice, clean block on the play. And those are kind of similar to Brown, you know, confidence builders for Cody Ford. Um, Forrest Lamp, I didn't really notice him too much today. I see somebody asking about him. Uh, obviously missed practice yesterday, but he was back in there today. Nothing crazy stood out. But again, I'm watching. I'm really zeroed in on Ford because of, you know, the fact that he's coming off of an injury and there's a lot of, um, you know, expectations on him during camp. So that'll be fun to think the biggest, I want to start here though, because hopefully I could say his name, right. The biggest one-on-one performance or standout highlight D line versus O line Eli on number 51 in blue going against number 51 in white Tyler Gauthier, who the bills just signed a couple days ago. Poor Tyler. Eli on absolutely blew up Tyler Gauthier's situation on this one-on-one play so much so that I think the momentum of the initial burst blew him over and then Anku just like bursted through and went untouched and you know they got to go back to the to the target and then go back and touch the line and I don't think anybody did it quicker than Anku so a nice little moment for him in one-on-one drills Uh, Mario Addison I think you know, he looks so fast, and I haven't had time yet, but I'm going to put out a video of, of – uh, they, they do the warm-up drills. I took a video of the defensive line because I was down there. Um, and I think that, you know, Mario Addison, like, physically looks really good, but he, he, he's right. He looks quick. He looks, he looks like he has energy. He talked a lot today about 
you know, not really being in a great mental place last year. Sean McDermott noted how one of his impressions of him so far since he's been back is an improved mental state. He dealt with a lot with the loss of his brother last year and never really came back 100%. And so I think an, a, a really motivated and, you know, mentally strong Mario Addison in year two in the system with Eric Washington and all the talent that they've collected, I think has a chance to be really good. Yeah, real quick on Anku, you know, no chance for the 53-man roster just because of the talent and depth, but plays like that is what can get you onto the practice squad because they're going to lose some talented players that get claimed elsewhere, and you have to fill that 60-man practice squad. So if he can keep making plays like that, that could be a player that the Bills say, let's develop. Mario Addison, uh, we've heard how how trimmed down he looks, and obviously you've seen him, I've seen him. He, he looks like he's in great shape coming into this year but not just the physical shape, the mental shape, as you alluded to. Uh, he's in a better place mentally. I think that's big for him. You know, when the Bills signed him, there were some questions about the age, but the production was still high. The production was still right up there with some of the best in the league and obviously didn't meet those expectations last year. But I still think there's something in the tank there when it comes to Mario Addison as a pass rusher, Mario Addison as a mentor, someone that can really pass some things down to some of these young guys in the room. And speaking of young guys in the room, I have seen multiple comments asking about Greg Rousseau, Matt. Anything that you noticed today about Rousseau? I think it was definitely uh, more challenging. And um, by the way, I just noticing got almost 250 people watching live right now on YouTube. Thank you so much. I'm at the stadium. I uh, was watching practice uh, uh, a, f- a few uh, football fields away on the practice fields today. Um, hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button as well. If this is your first time here, uh, we are live every day after training camp to bring you our observations and discuss, you know, everything that's changed in a day. Because from day to day during training camp, things can change. And the biggest change from yesterday is that the pads were going on for the first time with Greg Rousseau today. And, you know, the point of, Sean McDermott's press conference was today is just like you turn the page from what they were able to do, you know, in the nod padded portion, which was a little bit longer than usual, five practices. Um, it's a little bit longer. And there's part of uh, the collective bargaining agreement that, you know, changed those rules a little bit. But, you know, I thought Greg Rousseau was was fine today. I thought that he made one play where he really stood out again. He is so slick at shedding off of his block on his inside move and immediately causing chaos for, you know, whether it be offensive guards that have to kind of move over to help out or quarterbacks that have to reestablish their position in the pocket or get out of the pocket. And I'm so excited to see what that looks like in a game because he does it so effortlessly that I think that as he adds to his repertoire, and I'm sure guys like Mario Edison and Jerry Hughes and even A.J. Vanessa, the coaching staff working with him on all of his pass rush moves, we're going to see some of these things. Like It's going to be like a week-to-week thing where he starts to really you know, take steps as we go here. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know it's only Tuesday, but man, I'm getting excited about Saturday, being with you again on the sidelines, watching Rousseau and a lot of these young guys, seeing what they can do at the next practice, open practice, the fans. Uh, I, I think that, like you said, as these guys get more confidence, they add to their repertoire, they, they get more reps against pros, they're going to learn what works and what doesn't work best for them. And they're going to be able to use that going forward. So, you know, r- remember, after these two players were drafted, that being Rousseau and Boogie Basham, we, we sat here and said, well, they're probably going to get eased in a little bit. They're going to play, but there's Jerry Hughes and there's Mario Addison. And I still think that stands. But just because of how much we've praised him, that being Rousseau and then Basham at times, I think fans are really starting to get excited about what they can do. But yeah, keep an eye on those guys on Saturday if you're going to be there at practice. Uh, I think that both players uh, have high upside and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Matt, what about Isaiah Hodgins? I I believe I've heard his name a few times recently making some plays here and there. How has he looked? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're just mentioned summer and it's perfect time to say that, you know, summer is time is running out on summer, but spend more time enjoying it and everything that it has to offer and less time worrying about getting uh, to the store with tops pickup and delivery shop for your groceries online, choose pickup or delivery tops will bring the groceries right to you. Visit topsmarkets.com to get started. Isaiah Hodgins has had a, you know, a, a really nice two day stint here this week. I thought he was strong today. Not so much in um, 11-on-11 work. Uh, I I didn't really see him pop too much. I think he made 
uh, a few receptions. He might have even had one. Um, let me just double check here. Um, yeah, uh, Davis Webb found him um, in uh, 11 on 11. So he's he's. I'll say this. He's making catches when he's getting targeted, which I think is what you want to do. Nothing's really stood out today like it did yesterday with the long bomb from Mitchell Trubisky. But he's so hard to handle, and you could see it in the one-on-one drills even before they put pads on. But again, today, uh, he had a couple um, – I think he had a couple reps to get to this here. Oh, yeah. Uh, first of all, Isaiah McKenzie. I saw a question about him earlier. Wow. I mean, hmm. just watching him in one-on-one drills is is just a treat. If 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 I was coming to practice, if I had to make a decision to come to practice, and I, I was on the fence about it for any reason, coming to see Isaiah McKenzie work in one-on-ones is is worth the price of admission. I would say. Uh, so definitely keep an eye on that on Saturday if they go that route. Um, but yeah, I don't have it here. I thought he made a good um, catch in the one-on-ones. Oh yes, he did. Versus great one-on-one battle to lead things off against Saran Neal, who, by the way, closed things off against Marquez Stevenson with a nice interceptions and one-on-one. We talked a little bit more about Saran Neal as well. But yeah, Isaiah Hodges has just been solid. Every time that the ball has come his way, I can't think of a drop off the top of my head. It's just that Jake Kumaro, you go back to Saturday, mm. the one day that we could talk about where these guys are lining up, and Jake Kumaro got first-team reps that day. And so that tells you maybe a little bit and just hearing, you know, the way that jo- that they've talked about Isaiah the last few months and, and, you know, the fact that he's still kind of learning, I think to this point still doesn't have an NFL snap. I mean, this preseason games will be his first real NFL action. So uh, I think it's still good to temper expectations with Hodgins. Um, but let's talk about uh, some of these plays here. Uh, Marquez Stevenson, welcome to the NFL. And first of all, I will say, in all these one-on-one drills, uh, I can go through some of the results. The defensive backs, they set the tone from uh, – this was, I think, the second or third uh, portion of practice. So this was very early on before 11-on-11 11 11 started. And I think that the defensive backs here really did a nice job of setting the tone for practice and maybe why the defense came in so fired up and so locked in. They were up in the offensive wide receivers grill. They were they were pushing. They were grabbing. They were kind of getting jersey. To the point where Emmanuel Sanders was noticeably upset, I think. He he kind of got locked up with Saran Neal on one of the plays, fell, and can kind of limped off for a little bit. Everybody could out on the sideline. It looked like maybe like a right leg he was limping on. I'm not, I, I couldn't tell if it was the right or left. He sat off to the side for a minute, came back in, uh, and then ended up participating in 11-on-11. 11 11, so he's not appearing on the injury report today. Um, but it was physical. And, you know, some of the uh, big performances uh, today, the catch of the day goes to Tanner Gentry, who, by the way, I can't wait to talk to him eventually, hopefully during camp, so we can talk to him about that PS5 fiasco on his Twitter account. (laughs) Um, But um, insane catch. Dane Jackson had phenomenal coverage. And I don't even know how he made the catch, but he, he dove, he grabbed it over his left shoulder, and not only did he thud off the ground and still maintain it, he thud, flipped over, and then landed on his back, and he still maintained possession. And I think I saw the look on Dane Jackson's face because it was right next to me to see through his face, Mac, and he was kind of like, whoo, all right, that's just a good catch. And so that was probably the catch of that of that period. Jake Kumaro with a win against Shadavius White. I, I always pick out Trey White in these because he loves going up against those big receivers. Duke Williams, Jake Kumaro, he almost finds them in the line and waits to, to try to get so he can go one-on-one with them. And uh, Jake Kumaro with a really nice release, had a nice catch, so he beat White on that. Uh, White came back and had a good rep against Duke Williams. Second best catch. Maybe if Gentry was 1A, I'd say this one was 1B. Lance Lenore, who super sneaky, super quiet, has had a really nice camp. Another guy that's made plays when they're thrown to him, uh, made plays uh, in 11-on-11 drills, has looked really good at one-on-one. He ran a great route against Levi Wallace, like really precise route running to get open. And then when he got open, the, the ball was a little bit too far, but he sprawled out, made the catch, and was able to somehow 
he didn't dive. He like sprawled out, but he was in midair, made the catch, reestablished position, and did a double toe tap. It was like it was really special. It was really cool to see. I I would like to see the Bills put out um um video uh, of those two catches and somebody with a little joke in here. Matt's new crush, Lance Lenore. I would not go that far around. <laughs> You know, Lance Lenore, though, he's been in the league for a little while with the Cowboys, obviously between the practice squad and the the main roster. So he is a a bit of a, I don't want to call him a veteran, but he's been in the league for a while. So it's not surprising that he's been able to flash and make some plays. He's gone against NFL cornerbacks. Tanner Gentry, it sounds like he had a nice day, too. And and these guys probably are not going to make this final roster, but... They could stick around on the practice squad. I, I do hope you get to talk to Tanner Gentry. You can talk about having quality ball security, but not so much with password security. Clearly an issue for Tanner Gentry because of that Twitter fiasco where uh, he had been hacked, I want to say, four or five separate occasions for those of you that didn't understand Matt's reference. And, and whoever his hacker was, was trying to push PS5s or pretend like they had them. So uh, for those of you that were unaware, and I want to say it happened on his Instagram as well. So yeah, T- Tanner Gentry, got to talk to him about updating those uh, passwords and and having something a little bit stronger uh, if you get the chance to chat with him. Say that again, you kind of broke up there. Oh, the whole thing. Uh, I just said that Tanner Gentry had good ball security, it sounds like today, but not so much with password security. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, that was some stuff from uh, one-on-ones today. I thought that was interesting. Um, I also added a little note um, in my recap there. Uh, you can go check it out on the, on the website. Uh, Christian Wade had some run today. I, I, he got a couple carries today. And it was just – it was fun to see him in that setting because it's been so long. Uh, I don't even know how much work he got in training camp last year. I'm trying to think back to it. I have to go back to my, to my old stories. Um, but it didn't seem like he got a lot of run last year and, you know, they had TJ Yeldon on the roster. I know Antonio Williams was in camp with them. And this year I feel like I was kind of expecting more of the same, but you know, I would say four, four or five carries today. He looked pretty good. I mean, he looks like, he looks like a more confident player with the ball in his hands you know what I mean and that's crazy to think about because of the big time plays he made in 19 but I'm just looking ahead to the preseason games which are are coming on pretty fast here in the next week uh we'll be uh heading down to Detroit for for game number one um he just looks like a confident player and I think seeing him in extended playing time is going to be such a fun little side storyline for Bill's fan yeah Fan favorite. Fans have loved him since he was brought onto the team, since he had those big splash plays in the preseason. And like you said, this preseason is going to be the Antonio Williams and Christian Wade show at running back if I'm the Bills. Uh, I I get that you probably want to give a few reps to your starters and to Breida if you feel like he is locked in as your number three. But you don't want to risk anything in these meaningless games. You You have a good idea of what your 53 looks like, at least at the top. Get those guys in that are fighting for those last few spots. Get those players that you want to really evaluate what they know. We all know Wade's story, rugby player, not a lot of NFL experience, obviously, when he was brought into the program. But you're right. The confidence level is probably going up because he's been in the system for a few years now. He understands the importance of following his blockers. He's learned about ball security and so much more. So definitely someone to keep an eye on this preseason. Um, I saw a question here from Cody on Facebook. Uh, talk on how the chemistry between Josh and Emmanuel has looked this far. What looks to be a weakness so far on either side of the ball? And I think we got this question yesterday. So this would be kind of a good one to maybe wrap things up on. Um, chemistry between Josh and Emmanuel, they're working on it. I think that's the first point that you got to mention when you're talking about this is that, you know, I love what, what Emmanuel Sanders said last week about, you know, he's got this backyard football, like, you know, dating back to his childhood. You know, the way that he plays the game is a lot like he played at the beginning as he shows up, go grab the ball, roll the ball out. Let's go play football and have fun. But I think developing a rapport and an understanding for a player, especially in this system, the complications, um, the complicated nature of this offense and, and, and how far into it a guy like Cole Beasley, who's in his third season, Steph Diggs in his second season, Josh Allen now going into his fourth season with Brian Dable. 
there's there's nuance to this offense that I think is just going to take some time for these these players to get up to speed on new players like Emmanuel Sanders, Jacob Hollister, somebody asking about him. He's still out with the back injury, did not participate today. John Feliciano also did not practice today. We probably should have gotten this out of the way at the start of the show. Uh, resting his shoulder. Deion Dawkins still on the COVID reserve list. Ike Buckner back in the building, but did not participate. Uh, he's still uh, not in pads, uh, not dressed. So he's still probably progressing through the protocols uh, as well. So, yeah, I just think it's a, a process, Ryan, that's going to take some time. And honestly, I think that they probably want to get some game reps too. I'd, I'd venture to guess that we, we'd probably see more Emmanuel Sanders in this preseason than, than most years for a veteran, uh, 34-year-old veteran. Yeah, I think that's fair. Listen, chemistry like we saw from Allen and Diggs last year where they barely got to practice together, barely got to see one another, that doesn't happen very often. You need those reps. You need that time together. And and I think that we've seen some encouraging signs, some promising signs, uh, but it's only going to get better with time. So this passing attack, you know they're going to be just as pass-heavy as one year ago, and it'll get better and better, especially when it comes to Allen and Sanders, the more time that they have to understand, to get to know one another and be on the same page at all times, just like Allen and Diggs have been, just like Allen and Cole Beasley have been in these past few seasons, especially with Beasley, obviously, like you said, being in his third year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hughes was out again today as well. I saw that in the comment section. In terms of like weaknesses, uh, that was part of like it, it's really hard to kind of point out a weakness at this stage. I, I think I, I'd probably say like not having Deion Dawkins for this amount of time shows, and I think that a lot of what they do is you know is really predicated on having certain guys in certain places, and Deion Dawkins is one of those guys. I think you've seen it from when Stefan Diggs is out of the lineup to when he's in it, the difference that that makes. I think Deion Dawkins is a guy you could throw in the mix there. One of the cornerstones of this team, this offense, and I think that getting him back in the mix, it also kind of, you know, we were talking about this a little bit, you know, Spencer Brown, we mentioned how much he's been struggling. You know, I think Spencer Brown, though, is is going to probably wind up being your swing tackle. And if that's the case – what happens in a situation where you lose Daryl Williams or you lose Deion Dawkins for an extended period of time and Spencer Brown is thrown into a situation where he has to play? Now, Mitch Moore says sometimes it's good to, sit, to, to face that sink or swing, swim moment, but in a championship season, a championship window kind of season for the Bills, that's, that's, a, that's definitely something to keep an eye on as we, as we progress through. When Deion Dawkins comes back, how was he affected by COVID? How much time does he need to get back in the game shape? Um, all those kinds of things are, are, are something that I think you got to it's, – it's a COVID reality now. A lot of times you don't think about it because guys go on and off the COVID list so much. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that on the Bills last year, we saw what happened with Tommy Sweeney and what that did to his season. And you always kind of keep your fingers crossed on a lot of these situations that they, players can come back and they return to full health and there's, there's no problems. But – you know, uh, Dion did put out a statement uh, on social media that he's doing pretty well and he's expected to be back soon. But just something to think about as you having Ty and Seki these last few years, an afterthought really was a luxury when you look back on it. Yeah. And, and it's funny because he's what, 36 about give or take Ty and Seki. And yet, as soon as he hit free agency, he was signed almost right out of the gate by Dallas. So there's something to be said about those veterans that have playing experience, that have starting experience. Uh, the Bills don't necessarily have that. They have Bobby Hart, but we, we all know that his career, he, he's had more downs than ups. Spencer Brown being in line possibly to be the swing tackle. Deion Dawkins is arguably a top 10 left tackle in this league. So if when he's not on the field, it's noticeable, even at training camp. So it, it wouldn't shock me that when rosters get cut around the league, Maybe the Bills hold on to to a Bobby Hart initially, but if they find someone else that's out there that has experience that they they maybe even know uh, one of the coaches had previously worked with them, it wouldn't shock me if they look for another veteran to add to this mix. So that way they have a security plan in place if the moment's too big for Spencer Brown, if something were to happen, or if they needed someone to fill in on that offensive line in a pinch. So definitely something to monitor uh, as we get closer to the regular season. Mm-hmm. And I've, I have seen a few things mentioned about star and we see a question in here about the interior uh, defensive line battles. 
I will say like today is the real first day where I think you can actually have a real take about any of this with those guys, because, you know, for the most part, those battles are hard to really gauge and judge because there's, you know, they don't have pads on. There's only a certain level of physicality that's allowed. And I think today you start, you, you saw some guys putting their helmets on each other and, you know, uh, playing a little bit more physical. I think stars presence, you know, what kind of impact is he having? Well, I think that the success that a lot of guys are having around him. I mean, most of the plays that F.E. Obata has made, you look around and there's Star Latule on the field. And those are the things that Brandon Bean made a point of, of emphasizing with Star is that his impact sometimes goes beyond the stat sheet. And it's not going to necessarily be a sack or a tackle. It's going to be who, what are guys doing around him? And, you know, I'm pretty sure that he was lined up against uh, next to Star Latule. They were – they had a joint rush there when I mentioned that play that Ed Oliver made. So I think everything, everything on this defensive line with where we've at, where we're at and what we've been able to see so far, I think that there's a lot of impressive things that have happened, but we're just at the very, very beginning stage of it. I think Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that three, three way set, that three way, three day stretch, we'll have a better idea of where we're at. Yeah, and when it comes to Latula, you, you nailed it. He's not someone that you're going to say, um, "Oh, he had this really flashy spin move," or he or he's the one that that made the big play. But he's helping the players next to him and on that defensive line make those plays, just like he does every given week when he's on the field. You don't see it in the stat line, but that's what what's sneaky about him as a player. It's what he's doing for the other guys around him, for the linebackers behind him, so on and so forth. So it just sounds like Latula is is being a star Latula both in training camp, just like he is in the regular season. So just a sneaky, solid, good player. All right. I think that is going to wrap us up for today's show. First padded practice in the books off Wednesday, back at it on the grind on Thursday. Uh, we are brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Tops loves local. Tops is proud to partner with over 200 local growers to supply Tops with their freshest homegrown fruits and vegetables produced and picked this morning can be on your table tonight. Thank you to Tops. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Hit that uh, like button before you get out of here. Make sure you hit that subscribe button as well. They'll send you a notification every single time we go live after practice. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We'll be back on Thursday. Enjoy a few days off here uh, one day.